Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace, and we thank you that we can take this time just to say thank you for what you've done in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, that we can give testimony to answered prayers. And Lord, we just praise you that uh, we don't have to share all the details with our brothers and sisters in Christ, our church, in order to pray one for another. We thank you for answering in things that we can see, and Lord, knowing that you are still working in things that we cannot. We just thank you for your goodness to us and your word. Lord, we thank you for the fellowship that we share as members of the church. and We just thank you that we can support one another in prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. Brother Frank, chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. And... Uh, One of the shorter of the Proverbs, only 18 verses, and so I'm hoping we can get through the whole uh, chapter tonight. Wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars, she hath killed her beast, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table, she hath sent forth her maidens, she crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither, as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of my wine, which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish, and live, and go in the way of understanding. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. And then we go into the second part of the psalm. I mean, not the psalm, the proverb, the chapter here, starting in verse 13 through the end. A foolish woman is clamorous, and then it goes on to describe the foolish woman. Again, we have, uh, depending on how big a words you like, a personification, an anthropomorphism. We have an inanimate object, a quality, an idea, and it's given human attributes. So uh, some people have tried to force uh, wisdom into being Jesus Christ, and that, that just doesn't always work. And, uh, and what we have here is we have this thing called wisdom. It is something that God possesses. It is something that he wants us to have. It says that if you lack wisdom... You have to ask of God that he gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. God will never call you stupid for coming and asking for wisdom. In fact, he'll bless you. Uh, there are many people that you, you ask for instruction, you ask for a little help, and all you get is, go read the book. Now that, if you're taking algebra, you know what, that's good. You ought to be able to figure that out. Say, study it, learn it. But 
Wisdom you can't get out of any other book except the Bible. Wisdom comes from God. It's an attribute of God, but God wants to picture it as this woman. And let's just look at how this woman is described, how wisdom is described. It says, wisdom hath builded her house. You know, one of the ways that you can tell when you are in danger of receiving error is right here. You see, wisdom's house is already builded. We're not looking for anything new. We're not developing new philosophies. We're not working on a new approach. Wisdom's house is already finished. So when you start hearing something, someone talk about, uh, well, this is a brand new philosophy toward Christianity, mark it down. It is not from wisdom. It is not from God. Wisdom's house is already built. It says, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. Now, The idea here is the number of seven in the Bible is the number of completedness. It's the number of perfection. Now, we want to be careful. There are some people that take numbers to uh, a massive extreme. Uh, Probably the worst one I ever heard was, uh, does anybody know what the number nine means? Uh, Brother George has heard this one. No, well, no, this is a different one, Brother George. This is somebody actually came up with this and offered it from a pulpit as truth. They said, What's one plus six plus one plus one? Well, it equals nine. And that's the year that the King James Bible was done, and so nine's supposed to be the number of the Bible. Uh, you know, we put that with other Looney Tunes, amen? Uh, that, that kind of stuff will, that's not how you understand the Bible. She hath hewn her seven pillars. It's just, there's seven days in a week. Look in the book of Revelation, the seven spirits of God which go throughout the world. Uh, Sabbath is the seventh day, the day of completion. Wisdom And again, we are in poetry here. It is speaking in a poetical way. The house is built. The seven pillars are hewn out. There's no more work to do. You're not going to find any new wisdom. Don't look for the new. Take what God has already given you. Um, And if you don't, you're ignoring wisdom. Wisdom has finished her work. God was perfect in his wisdom in creation. Isn't it amazing that all of the things that God has created have not needed to be recreated in spite of all of the crazy things that man has pulled off. In the 1950s, they went to one of the most beautiful, desolate spots on the earth, a little island in the South Pacific And they detonated a 50 megaton bomb. 
is about 5,000 times the size of the ones that were dropped in World War II. And it completely evaporated an island and just destroyed every living thing. You know what people are doing on Bikini Atoll today? They're fishing and they're eating coconuts and they're doing all kinds. You know, when God created this place, he created it in wisdom. There's no such thing as Mother Nature. I love that song. I know it was God, amen? And the simple truth of the matter is, wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. Don't go looking for something new. Get what's already written down. Then we go to verse 2. She has finished her work and she has prepared a feast. It says she has killed her beasts. And you say, oh my, that sounds very appetizing now, doesn't it? Uh, But that's talking about animals that are fit for a meal. And uh, you look through your Bible. uh, If you read through the book of Nehemiah, it gives a list of what Nehemiah as the governor required at his table. And they had several, several oxen out of the fat pastures and several, I mean, out of the stalls. These were oxen that were kept and very uh, much more uh, fat to the meat there. And then the oxen that were uh, exercised in the pastures. And then they had different kinds of birds and different all kinds of uh, different things were offered at the table. And when it says she hath killed her beast, it's just simply everything from... Uh, and of course, this is Jewish in character, so it would not be anything and be classified as unclean. Uh, but there would be uh, possibly uh, some uh, different types of uh, wild birds and and uh, oxen and sheep and and all of that stuff and it was all I mean it was a royal meal but the meal has been prepared. Wisdom again is not looking for some brand new thing. It's not introducing things that God has not said that we should eat. It says, she hath mingled her wine. Now, of course, whenever you read the word wine and people having well drunken, uh, you automatically think of things that the Bible never intended you to think of. The word drunken or well drunken in the Bible just is past tense of the word drink in the Old English. Uh, You drink... You In modern English, you drank. Well, in old English, you drunken and uh, or have drunken. And we'll get our participles in there for Brother Franz, okay? And he's an English teacher. But uh, the simple truth of the matter is, if you take different types of grapes and mix the juice together, what are you going to get? You're going to get a more flavorful drink, are you not? And that's simply what is being talked about here. Wine, uh, wisdom has prepared good and delicious things for you to take into your soul. And the primary idea here is not physical food, but spiritual food. The bounty has been prepared. There is 
uh, a variety of meats. There's a variety of drink here. There's special things that have been prepared to make it more than just the ordinary. She has also furnished her table. Everything is ready. If you're going to partake of wisdom, all you need is to slide up to the table. Amen? Somebody wrote a poem several years back about uh, uh, a lady in the church was being buried and she said, uh, Pastor, when I'm buried, I want to be buried with a fork in my hand. I said, well, what's that all about? Well, when we have our church dinners, we finish going through the line, and then you always say, hold on to the fork because the dessert is yet to come. And uh, she said, I'm waiting for the dessert. That's when I get to heaven. So I want to be buried with a fork in my hand. Cute little story. Uh, not quite sure if it really happened or not. Uh, but the simple truth of the matter is the table's furnished, everything's there. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and you look down at your silverware and it's got something on it? Say, yeah, I'm getting out of there. Uh, Or somebody already took your silverware and you don't have a fork or Maybe you're like me and dropped it on the floor and don't want to eat on it, eat on, use that utensil after it's been on the floor. Uh, the simple truth of the matter is so many religions promise wisdom, but they don't give you a fork. There's nothing to take it home with because, well, we can pick on the Buddhist a little bit. Uh, I think it was said by some great leader in Buddhism that uh, Jesus was an initiate into the ministries of the second degree, but Buddha of the eighth, trying to make all the religions of the world the same. But, of course, Buddha is the highest. Does anybody know how you get wisdom in Buddhism? Well... You have to die first. And then you come back and you get reincarnated. We had a Buddhist priest here that wanted to learn about the Bible. And the simple truth, he said, I've lived 10,000 lives. I said, how in the world do you know that? I said, can you tell me what each one of those 10,000 lives are about? I said, I can't even tell you everything that went on in my life. And I lived it, amen? Amen. I said, some of these things are absolutely absurd. How you're supposed to get wisdom, how you're supposed to receive these things. But wisdom's table's already furnished. Everything is there that you need to partake of the bounty. Don't go looking for something new. And in fact, Beyond having everything ready, she has sent forth her maiden. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. And this is the cry of wisdom. Wisdom, uh, we've already read that wisdom is everywhere. Wisdom is in the gates, in the high places. Wisdom is crying out to you to receive her. God is interested. He has done everything possible that you may get Wisdom in your life. 
Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. Now, we have a modern word for simple that's not very nice. It's kind of like stupid. Uh, The word simple means without proper thought process. Has anybody ever read the Amelia Bedelia books? Uh, Amelia Bedelia is a simpleton. She was told to file the papers. So she gets out a nail file and she files the papers. She was asked to dust the room and so she gets a bag of dust and starts sprinkling. You really ought to undust the room, Amelia Bedelia would say. But if you're going to, and, and so she always gets in trouble because she's so simple minded. And then she gets out of trouble by making a chocolate cake or cocoa or chocolate puffs or some wonderful dessert and everybody's happy. But if you are simple, if you lack the proper thought process, it says turn in hither. You've got to turn around. Does that sound a little bit like the definition of the word repentance to you? It does to me. You've got to change direction. Wisdom is not going to be given you because you're such a wonderful person. And I know you may think so, but God says, "Uh uh-uh. God says, if you want wisdom, you're going to have to change your direction. You're going to have to come to wisdom. And it says... As for him that wanteth understanding. Now the idea here of wanting understanding is not that you recognize that you have a problem and you have the desire to get understanding. The main idea of this word want here is that you are lacking in understanding. It's missing when you go through the library of your life, when you uh, review your resources and assets, understanding is not there. That file folder is blank. Uh, the well is dry. You can't get it because you don't have it. And by the way, no human being has understanding. If you're going to get it, you have to come to God. It's the same idea of him that is simple. It's a different way of saying for the same thing. It says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. You're going to have to partake of what wisdom has. You're going to have to bring it into your body and assimilate it the same way you do food. I mean, how many of you enjoy the assimilation of nourishment? Uh, let's put it easy. How many of you like to eat? I mean, we, we all like to eat, do we not? But wisdom says, listen, you come. Now, my wife is not a buffet person, but I, I like those uh, uh, smorgasbords like they have in Lancaster where you got 15 different varieties of everything. And then you have to try them all. Amen. And they have little wheelchairs to roll. No. Uh, But this is what wisdom is saying. You have to partake. You have to eat of the bounties. You have to put them in your system and digest them. 
And in order to do that, we come to the next little section here, verses 6 through 12. Forsake the foolish and live, go in the way of understanding. There are choices that have to be made. It is hard for the fool to forsake his or her foolishness. The book of Proverbs tells us that. But if you're going to have God's wisdom in order to get some of the things God has for you, you're going to have to let go of some of the things that are in this world. Forsake the foolish and live. Go in the way of understanding. You're going to have to make a choice to walk at the direction of the Word of God. It says, He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. You know, there are some people out there that believe it is their job to right everybody else's wrong. Uh, to vicariously live everybody else's lives for them because they can do a better job than anybody else. You ever met somebody like that? I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but uh, I hope the soft drink bill is dead. Uh, that is exactly what's being spoken of here. It says... It is not your job to go out there and straighten out every idiot that walks up and down the street. All you're going to do is make these people angry at you. What you need to do is forsake the foolish and live. Go in the way of understanding. Guess who's not going to be there? The scorner is not going to be there. You will have to get out of the way of understanding to go find the scorner and try to straighten him out. And all that's going to happen to you is you are going to suffer. You, it is not your job to straighten people out. It's your job to keep you straight. Amen? Now, the Bible tells us that as Christians and brothers and sisters in Christ, we're to uh, uh, lift up the heavy arms, we're to encourage one another, we're to come along beside each other. But when somebody falls into this scorning thing, leave them alone. You're not going to help them. The only thing you're going to accomplish. Now, what's a scorner? That's someone who sets themselves above and derides everything below. Guess who's first to be scorned on the list of the scorners? Those that want to help the scorner stop scorning. <laughs> That's the first one on the list. So leave the scorners alone. We, we have this world full of people. I just get sick if I turn on the news and, well, so-and-so is just the smartest guy in the room. Scorner. In order for some, someone to say that about you, normally 
You get that way by looking down at everybody else. Leave the scorners alone. And don't walk with them. Read Psalm 1. Sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. It says here that you report, reprove the scorner, you're going to get shame upon yourself. You rebuke the wicked man and you're going to get a blot. There was a fellow called up and says, uh, we want to bring a, people, a group of people in to pass out tracts at the gay pride parades. I said, um, no, we're not going to help you do that. You see, the people who run the gay pride parades, they want people to come and, quote unquote, persecute them because it makes their cause go forward. The Bible says rebuke not a wicked man. Listen, if they choose to be wicked, it's not your job to stop them. Unless they're breaking in your house or something. I mean, you understand what we're talking about. Somebody said, what would you do if somebody's breaking in your house? Well, uh, that just all depends. But uh, I, I hope I never have to face that. But, uh, and I really hope for the sake of the person who's breaking in that I never have to face that. Amen? Uh, somebody said, well, what if it's you or him? Well, it's going to be him. Amen? <laughs> I mean... Uh, uh, we'll, we'll witness to him after he comes to. Um, the simple truth of the matter is you're not going to sit down with a wicked person and make a friendship with them. Study the life of Jehoshaphat. He made peace with Ahab. And what happened? The next three generations of Jehoshaphat's family were corrupted because of Ahab. Don't make friendship with the world. Rebuke not the wicked man. Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. You know what? You're going to have a lot of people hating you without going out and adding to the list. Amen? I mean, this, this is what wisdom is saying. And so here's what we do is what we're trying to do tonight. It says, rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. I mean, different members have different ways of putting it. Uh, one of our, our people says, I, I like to throw bricks at people and other times... It, uh, one other guy says, well, pastor, you just set me down. Tell me the way it is. I don't like it, but we get it right. Listen, you take someone who is wise and say, you're wrong. Let me show you why. Let's move forward here. Guess what? That generates love. Amen. That's what we're talking about doing here. It says, teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of, ho of the holy is understanding. You're not going to study or learn wisdom by studying biology, by studying uh, accounting, by studying uh, uh, management and all. Of if you want wisdom, you need to learn about God. 
then the knowledge of all of these other subjects will give you understanding. But understanding only comes when you know about God. It's the key ingredient that makes everything work. Here's the blessing. For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. And what's wisdom telling you? You can't be wise for other people. You can be a blessing to other people. You can encourage other people to go to wisdom. But your wisdom is something God has given you for your life. And it says, if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. If you're going to take the other route, if you're going to sit up and judge everybody and decide who's right and who's wrong, guess what? The only person you're really hurting is yourself. I mean, you will injure others, but listen, the person who's going to be destroyed is you. Let the scorners alone. You know, the best, probably a great illustration of the scorner is the guy down in the basement with an axe. And he's chopping at the post that holds the building up. Just let him go. One of these days, he's actually going to get the job done. The house is going to come down on top of him. So many people have hurt themselves because they've tried to rebuke the scorners. Wisdom says, don't worry about the scorners. They're going to hurt themselves. You serve God. Then we have the foolish woman shows up in verse 13. Just as wisdom is pictured as a woman, foolishness now is pictured as a woman. It says she is clamorous. Now, if there's any one word that really describes the day and time in which we live, is that not a good word? Clamorous. Two o'clock in the morning. Somebody's parking out in front of the church to go to one of the hot spots up here on 30th Avenue or whatever, and what are they doing? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great place. Let's go. I want to open the window and say, it's two o'clock in the morning, brainless one. Some people are trying to sleep, but I don't do that most of the time. Um, and I wouldn't say it that way. Uh, there have been a few, kind, few times where I've opened the window. Hello? And they're looking. Hey, turn around. Yeah? Uh, I've got little kids trying to sleep up here. Is there any way you could be quiet? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Sometimes they try to turn it up, but they usually don't, which is still nice. But clamorous, just noise, obnoxious noise, calling attention to oneself. You ever wonder why people dye their hair 14 different colors? It's clamorous. It's something that draws attention to themselves. This is the way of foolishness. How many of you remember... uh, What was his name? It was a candidate for governor. I think it was Jerry Brown. was a candidate for governor in California. And uh, 
He said, follow me around, look at my life, examine me. And they did. He got on a little boat and went out from the harbor to a bigger boat out in the ocean. And there was his uh, mistress on the boat. And they documented the whole thing. And that was the end of Mr. Brown's campaign. Clamorous people draw attention to themselves. And it's foolish. A wise person should draw attention to the source of wisdom, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It says, she is simple and knoweth nothing. Now, the idea of simple here is the word stupid, in, in the crude word would be, it is one that cannot think, one that cannot understand normal things. It says, the reason she knoweth nothing is she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call passengers who go right on their way. Just because you don't know anything doesn't mean you're not going to talk about it. Welcome to New York City, right? You ever ask directions? I I tell people who come to visit, don't ask directions in the city. You see, it's just a New York thing. People are going to answer you. They're going to give you directions. Whether they have anything to do with where you're going or not, they're going to tell you something. He said, no, that's... I said, try it sometime. You see... The foolishness of the world is screaming for attention. Why do they play the music so loud? Because it drowns out everything else. And it's calling. And it says, if you're simple, turn in hither. If if you don't understand what's going on, come on in. I mean... If you don't understand how to stop spending money, come on in and we'll spend a lot more. I mean, that's, I mean, does that make any sense? But that's what's going on, is it not? You see, stolen waters are sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. You know, It's the thrill of the attainment. That's where it really is. No, it's not. It's in the satisfying of the soul and the building blocks that allow you to serve and do something right. Stolen waters are sweet. You know, everybody's got a secret, do they not? The secret formula to losing weight and looking like you did when you were 21. I don't want to look like I did when I was 21. I was only that big around. I made Andrew look fat. Um, The simple truth of the matter is they have all of these secret things. That's foolishness calling. You ever wonder why these people who claim to make millions and millions of dollars in the stock market are giving you the secrets to how they made their money. Have you ever thought about that? If it's a secret, and you've made millions and millions of dollars with this secret, why are you giving it to me? 
Well, it's so that I'll buy your other books because that's how they really made their millions, not in the stock market, but in selling you books and in selling you their ideas. Don't buy their books. You already got God's book. Remember, wisdom has already built the house. The table has already been furnished. The food is prepared, and unlike normal food, which spoils and goes bad in just a little while, wisdom food food never spoils. It's always ready to partake. It will solve the problems. You see, he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. The foolish woman is calling, just like the wise woman is calling. She had, wisdom has finished the work. Foolishness says, well, we don't have anything right now. Let's go steal something and we'll enjoy it because stolen waters are sweet. Bread eaten in secret is very pleasant. Why do we have to eat it in secret? Because if the police officer caught you eating it in public, he'd arrest you. Those ways lead to death. You have to make a choice which lady you're going to listen to. The wise woman or the foolish one. Now, it would really be wonderful if we could straighten out all the wicked people and stop the scorners from scorning. But as long as there's been mankind, there's been wicked people and there's been scorners. You're not, it's not your job to stop them. It's your job to keep you in the way of understanding. It's your job to turn away from the things of this world, to forsake the foolish, and to live. And if there's any hope for the scorner to stop their scorning, here's where it's going to come from. When they question you about how good your life is compared to how rotten theirs is. That's the answer to the scorner. You better have something to answer them with. Amen? I've chosen a different path for my life. It's the one God ordained in his word. Just a short proverb. But if you spent the rest of your life just trying to live Proverbs chapter 9, you know what? It wouldn't hurt you a bit now, would it? Remember, wisdom's work is finished. The food is ready. The table is prepared. There's nothing left to do but just slide in under that tablecloth and enjoy the dainties that wisdom has prepared. It's not so with foolishness. You know, you've got to work pretty hard to be foolish. You ever thought about that? Let's ask God to help us Obey the call of wisdom. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we just ask you to work in our lives that we may bring glory to your name. Help us to follow the path of wisdom 
And Lord, to shut our ears and our feet to the path of the foolish. In your name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, just give you an opportunity. Keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. And if you'd like to slip out and spend a few minutes in prayer, the altar's open. And then we'll get into our prayer time here in just a few minutes. And the go ye kids, if you want to go with Mrs. Montoro, now would be a time to just get up and go.